Hello and welcome to the Mondanac Center. This is the Mondanac Center podcast, and today we are having a Q&A episode. And I'm joined in the studio here by Lauva. Hello, everyone. And today we are answering questions from our students and apprenticeship students over at the Mondanac Center. And uh, we have a lot of really excellent questions to dive into. So without further ado, let's jump into those. Uh, so our first question of the day is, uh, is the following. Sometimes life happens and it keeps us away from our spiritual path. I was just starting to really connect with my guides and my intuition, but then we decided to get a puppy. Ever since then, I haven't had the time or headspace to devote to my spiritual practice. So do you think these real life twists and turns all happen for a reason? Or can our free will, in my case, choosing to get a puppy, derail our spiritual growth? So uh, what do you think, Lauva? Um, do these twists and turns that can take us away from our spiritual practice, do they all happen for a reason? Or can it be uh, our free will actually getting in the way of what we're meant to do? Well, that's, that's a good question, and I think there's no... Um easy answer to that i say can be both you know it's the perspective you have on it so i would say that twists and turns happen for a reason and also our free will can derail us from our spiritual growth as well so for example having a puppy at home can make you realize that you have limited time you know limited time and limited energy for any kind of practice or project that you have and now that you have the puppy you have to it's it's now an invitation to consider you know the amount of time and energy you would like to give to your spiritual practice or to any other practice uh, so it doesn't happen again right before choosing to invite uh, a new being or maybe some take it take on a new project Always revise what are your priorities and if you can um, if you can apply this new project, you have space for it. Because it's always a matter of space and time, right? If you want to give time to your puppy, then you have to take away time from something else. Um, now, having a puppy can be part of your spiritual growth and spiritual practice as well. There's a lot a puppy can teach you, like patience, that's one of them for sure. And, um, and many more, I'm sure, I'm sure. So you can integrate your puppy in your spiritual practice, uh, if it's possible, find creative uh, and intuitive way to just make it part of your life, you know? and part of your spiritual practice. Um, also, when it comes to the free will, well, I always ask where it is coming from. Is it coming from your higher self or your ego? Does your desire come from a place of neediness, feeling of lacking, fear, jealousy, control, or does it come from love, compassion, peace, generosity? So by asking yourself um, where, it, where it is coming from, 
you will have a, an idea also that what is in the way are you derailing from your spiritual growth here or are you in fact um on your on your path right by asking yourself where this desire are coming from now because the the ego is a master of persuasion okay this it can trigger your weak spot on an unconscious level to take you away from your spiritual growth and something to be aware of right so this is this is why meditation is good um thinking about your thoughts and your behavior is good raising your awareness is the key to understand how the ego operates inside of you of you and also to make the difference between the ego and the higher self and this is also how you improve your intuition by making the difference by where it is coming from is it coming from uh, my ego is it coming from my higher self so that helps a lot to uh, understand your intuition so that would be my my answer to this question i think that's a fantastic um answer that you have there and absolutely i completely agree when it comes to the higher self and the ego you can really see where intentions and desires are coming from uh, when it's coming from the ego it's often coming from fear and from doubt and from a feeling of incompleteness and yet when a when a desire is coming from the higher self it's coming from this place of love and trust confidence in that the world will turn out as it's meant to and also compassion and often i know in my life i try to always ask is this decision that i'm making is it a decision being made for the ego and therefore for temporary life desires or is it being made for the higher self and therefore it it fits in with my you know my true will and the meaning for my life and so it really is that simple a, a test you know is it coming from this place of of fear and and doubt or is it coming from a place of love and trust and you know we absolutely all fall into this kind of situation where we we make decisions in our lives where we uh we take on let's say a certain responsibility and that can absolutely get in the way of a spiritual practice uh for instance you know in past years i've wanted to take on a bigger and bigger garden every year and i finally got to a point where it's like i can't garden to this degree because it's taking away from my obligations and responsibilities at the center and so it's always you know it's always this balancing act of uh your spirituality against your you know the desires and the demands placed upon you but you know it can be uh it can be a balancing act that is very fruitful right because as as lava said getting a puppy or even uh feeling like this feeling like you're overextended can be a lesson for you right and then of course a puppy can teach you many things as well so yeah i guess ultimately it's a little bit of both right it can be something that's meant to happen for a reason to teach you either about being overextended or about the love of a puppy let's say or it uh, it can also be something where you know it is your free will that kind of has 
made you overextended. And, and once again, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned there. And it, it, but it's the effect of your own decisions that is teaching you. So ultimately, this life continues to teach us constantly. And that is what makes it uh, very wonderful because, you know, the path of the sage, you will never stop growing until the day you die and then you'll keep growing. <laughs> so it never ends. That's for sure. So you think we're ready for the next question? Oh, yes. Okay. So, well, this actually is directly related. Do you have any advice on how to continue your spiritual practice when real life gets in the way uh, or when you just can't seem to get yourself back on track. So what would you say, Laova? What can you do to, to get back to that spiritual practice when it feels like you're overextended or things are in the way? Oh, yes, that question. Um, you know, I understand it. It's such... Um, I think it's one of the most recurrent questions. This one and the one of how do I know if it's coming from my imagination or if it's true when it comes to the spirit. So that that is a very good question. Um, and often the answers are simple, but we forget about it. <laughs> so, and even me, I'll, I'll tell you all the, the tricks that I have so far accumulated uh, in my life and also with my creative coaching are for artist block. Uh, I think it can apply very easily to spiritual as well. So here, the first one, we have small steps. So when you feel like life is in the way and can get to your spiritual practice as much as you would like to, or you don't have the energy or you don't have the motivation, you find you're avoiding or you're maybe doing some procrastination instead, um, the first thing you can do is to do small step. And by small step, I don't mean like small step, like uh, regular, like small step, like, oh, I will do 30 minutes of meditation today. No, that's a gigantic step. Start with like one minute of meditation. And then if you can do more, do more, do two, three, five minutes if you want. But even if five minutes seems too overwhelming to you, just start with one minute, like 60 seconds. Just close your eyes, breathe in, breathe out for 60 seconds, and that's already better than doing nothing. And then you can just slowly build up from there, being like, okay, I'm going to do like 60, 60 seconds when I wake up and 60 seconds when I go to bed. And that's already better than nothing because something that is often in the way of our practice is the expectation that we have on ourselves. I'm going to do 30 minutes of meditation, then one hour, one hour of yoga, and then I'm going to do my shamanic journey and so on. And, and, and it's just sometimes it's not um, realistic. We don't have the time to do all these things. So we have to work with what we have and also the level of motivation that we have. We have to be honest with ourselves. Right now, I don't have the motivation. Right now, I tend to procrastinate and I'm very tired and I don't tend to do as much meditation as I would like to but here we are just do mini mini step like not even small step like mini step I would say uh, that's the first one for sure that will help you along with that of course lowering your expectation 
So by lowering your expectation is that if you expect yourself to do, again, like your 30 minute of meditation or shamanic journey daily, uh, it's maybe too much, too intense. So you have to be like, okay, I don't expect myself to do that much. I expect myself to do maybe five minutes, maybe one minute to start even, and that will be enough. Um, so that's the other thing. Be aware of the amount of expectation that you have on yourself. Are they realistic with the lifestyle you're having right now? And um, just adjust accordingly to, to what you want, right? And it's better to go lower, to have even like other expectation, you know, when you, you're meditating, like, oh, I'm going to be super zen after that. And uh, my mind will be clear. Um, I won't, you know, you will feel like a, as if everything is fine, but maybe your meditation, you'll cry at the end and you'll be upset because there's something coming up, uh, some kind of repressed emotion and so on. So again, expectation, you want to make sure you have no expectation as if it's possible on yourself being like, you know what, you lower your expectation. You try to have no expectation on the, um, out outcome of the meditation or the practice that you're doing so you're just being in the moment truly and that will help you already a lot um after that another good one is to tell yourself i get to instead of saying i have to do my meditation i must do my meditation i need to do this or i should do it's uh, do you see can you hear how heavy it can be to, to have to do it in that way? But when you're saying, I get to, I get to meditate today. I get to do my shamanic journey. I get to do my yoga. It's already kind of an opportunity that you're doing something really great for yourself. Um, so that's the three big ones. Then other things you can do to uh, help yourself to go back on track or to get back your motivation is uh, to ask for empowerment from your guardian spirit or your spirit guide. You can also uh, be aware of your mood, right? And a, a way of thinking be like, oh, today I'm really not in the mood for it. And, but, but maybe you can tell yourself, this will maybe help my mood you know, by doing it. And that's one of the most difficult I know. You know, it's like when you don't, you're not in the mood to go in the gym. or the, But there's always a reason, right? There's always a reason. Your ego will always find a reason to not spend energy on practicing anything. It will always try to find the easiest way to, um, to just be relaxed and do nothing. So you have to think about that and like again where is that desire come from what do my higher self want right so the higher self wants to expand itself wants to connect and and have a clear mind so this is an invitation again to explore right does it come from my ego or does it come from my higher self this mood um that can be very tricky and um other thing you can do is personal mantra or spiritual motivation. Or you can, uh, of course, this is like more easy thing to 
go back on track, right? We want to go back on track. So it's all like small things that takes maybe a minute to five minutes to do just to keep the ball rolling when it's too difficult or too intense to uh, practice like shamanic journeying, which is take more time and uh, energy uh, on that plane. Now you can also just practice gratitude. I think it's one of the easiest one where you just are grateful for life and it's rise your energy and your vibration so easily when you really tap into gratitude exercise. And finally, I would say, uh, you know, even physical exercise is good for your spiritual practice, taking care of your body. When taking care of your body health, vessel health is very, very good because you want to stay strong and healthy and it bring into balance everything, right? So, and, and you can see the physical exercise, um, just like spiritual health, um, you know, they are very similar. Practicing just a little bit of spiritual um, practice for <laughs> lack of a better word here. Um, it's like building a muscle. It's building your spiritual muscle or spiritual health to bring balance and meaning in your life. Okay. And so it can be difficult someday to get to it, but you know that at the end you will feel better. Just like when you do physical exercise, it can be difficult to get to it, but at the end, you know, your body will thank you for it. Same for the soul. If you do just a little bit of meditation, your, your soul will thank you so much for taking this little time just to, just to exercise, just to uh, make the soul breathe a little bit, work a little bit. And so it can expand and grow just like a muscle. Okay. So there's a lot of benefits to it. And you just one small step at a time. That's what I would say. Fantastic. I think that really summed it up very well, that there's many, many different techniques to use. And uh, that, that's absolutely a, a wonderful list to get back on track with one's spiritual practice. Now, this, uh, this next question is very interesting. What's your take or understanding of the pandemic from a spiritual global perspective? Um, why don't you go first, Lava? Okay. Um, well, for me, the, the pandemic, uh, I see it like less, there was a lot of restriction um, by not going outside. It was difficult for a lot of business, a lot of restaurants, and, and a lot of people were affected by it on the economic level and also a social level. Uh, even myself, I feel very far from my family. My family is in Quebec. They are so it was difficult, you know, it's been one year already. I didn't see them. I'm going to see them next week. Yay. Uh, so it, it is difficult on that part. But at the same time, I feel like the, the pandemic, um, it's also allow us to come back to the essential, to take time to look within ourselves and also take time to understand our life and take a look to it. 
And we saw it also at the center, you know, so many of our students, they were just starting their spiritual path because of the pandemic, because they were stuck uh, in the apartment and they, they had only this to do. They only had to think about themselves and their life and figure out things that they put aside because they had so many distractions prior to the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think that the one thing I'd add is that there are cycles in both an individual's life and also in the life of nations. And what the pandemic is, is definitely a hardship. And hardships emerge cyclically in our life and throughout history. And they really show us who we are. Through hardship, we realize our strengths and our weaknesses and we grow in some way. And this is a lesson to take from the pandemic, which is that we are growing because of it. And I think that's, that's a very important thing to focus on, for sure. So I think we're ready for the next question. What do you think, Lalva? I would say so. Okay. So the next one. What is your take on the differences between a soulmate, a twin flame, and a karmic connection? And what are some ways to recognize these individuals in our lives? Um, so I think I'll, I'll go first on this one. So uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting nomenclature that's out there for these terms. So you have soulmate, twin flame, and these karmic connections. And uh, Twin Flame, of course, is this other being who is just truly connected with you. It's like you came uh, as two parts of the same soul and you're separated and this is your, you know, you're one and only in this life that you can find. And then there's soulmates, of course, who they are beings who are there to support you and help you and connect with you in this life. And And then there's those karmic connections who are here to teach you lessons, right? So this is the, the usual nomenclature of soulmate, twin flame, and karmic connections. And this, uh, it's very interesting. And this is kind of the, the common discourse that you'll have, right? So it's, just to repeat, it's, it's twin flames. It's like your one and only soul connection that is truly gets you and it's there to uh, complete you. And then soulmate, you know, they're there to help you and uh, otherwise to aid you in this life, to teach, help you learn positive lessons. And then karmic connections, which are there to uh, help you learn difficult lessons, right? They can be there to do things that might be unpleasant and that it's almost like set up beforehand to teach you lessons. Well, here's the thing that Lauva and I have learned through channeling. And as always, when we talk about our channeling, uh, take it or leave it, right? Always take everything that you hear with a grain of salt. We don't want you believing anything is dogma, but if it feels right to you, you know, maybe work with it and test it for yourself. This is the most important thing. Always test things out for yourself. Anything that we say, treat it as a, basically a hypothesis that you can then test for yourself, right? That's the scientific way. So what we found through channeling is that 
all three of these soulmates, twin flames, and karmic connections really comes down to the same higher selves in that you have a higher self and other beings have their own higher selves. And in life, you will have yourself re repeatedly working with the same higher selves from life to life and such. And so higher selves are kind of entangled. They connect with each other from life to life. They work together, right? So the higher self of people who you're living alongside now, the, their higher selves have probably worked with your higher selves, uh, for, with your higher self in past lives. And it's like you have higher selves who kind of are buddies and they come from life to life uh, working together to learn together. And so because of this, you can have the same higher self creating incarnations that are interacting with the incarnations of the other higher self in various ways. And so a higher self can be interacting. So let's say there's a higher self that uh, has been working with your higher self for many incarnations. Well, in the past life, let's say, it could have resulted in a very Disney-esque type romance where, you know, you fell head over heels in love and it was just a wonderful thing. In this life, that, uh, that same higher self might be generating with you for a new, uh, for a new lesson, uh, let's say an animosity or a, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, a bit of a antagonism between you and another individual, another incarnation, right? It can be, it can vary from life to life. And so it's, it's basically, you have these higher selves out there who you keep working with and every incarnation, you're kind of experimenting with new things, experimenting with new relationships, whether it's a love or whether it's a hatred, whether it's, uh, um, you know, whether this person's your sister now, um, it, it changes from life to life to, to create new experiences. And the one other thing that I'd add, of course, this also comes from channeling and from experiences that Laura and I have had, is that your higher self is not just limited to you. Okay, I think this is one of the big differences that that uh, Laura and I find from a lot of the other uh, conventional spiritual material out there, is that often it's thought that there's you know one higher self and that there's one incarnation under that higher self. And what Laova and I have found very much is that, in fact, one higher self has many, many different incarnations throughout time and also uh, throughout place. So right now, your higher self doesn't just have you as an incarnation. There's probably many other humans with that higher self as well, that have that higher self and are incarnations of that higher self. And throughout the cosmos, there's other beings who share your higher self and are incarnated elsewhere. So right now, right, you are not the only incarnation of your higher self. I think this is a very uh, freeing idea, actually. And at the same time, other higher selves that your higher self has a connection with, has this buddy 
you know, is, is buddy, buddies with and repeatedly works from life to life with. Well, it keeps uh, that, that higher self that your higher self works with also has many, many different incarnations right now. And so if you are meant to have a twin flame with that other higher self, there's many people that can fit the bill, if you will. There's many people who can uh, connect with you in that way. And at the same time, that other higher self can incarnate in, you know, these kind of what we call these karmic connections, where it is about teaching you, say, a lesson of, uh, of hardship, right? Someone who's going to test you. Um, so this, I, I think this is an important thing to, to point out because you find that within the spiritual community, often there's a lot of people who are pining over finding their twin flame, right? And they think of it as only one being who they can have that absolutely, you know, Disney-esque type <laughs> love with. And I would point out that really there's maybe one higher self that you are meant to have that type of connection with, but that higher self is incarnated in many beings. And so it's not just a one and only. There are many possibilities in this life. Um, and, and so how to recognize these individuals in our lives, how to recognize people who have uh, this kind of higher self to higher self connection with us? Well, they're going to be people who play an important role in your life. Um, people that you truly love, also people that you truly hate. <laughs> and um, they, they will play a big role because it's almost scripted ahead of time. Not completely scripted, but it's kind of this karmic contract where it's like, okay, here's what we're going to try out in this life. I'll see you in the game. <laughs> and that, that this is what we'll try out. Um, yeah. What do you think, Lava? Do you have anything to, uh, to add to that? No, I think you really explain it well. Thank you, Eric. All right. Well, we have one last question for today's Q&A. It's a big one as well. And it is, uh, can you explain the law of attraction as it relates to manifestation and also how to practice it effectively? Um, let's see. I guess I'll, I'll jump into this one first, unless you have anything you want to add, Lava? No, go for it. Okay. So one, um, so usually the law of attraction is seen as this this kind of like attracts like, right? That when you put out certain thoughts into the universe, it will attract manifestations and experiences that are uh, similar to those thoughts. And so if I want to attract, let's say having a new car, then I think about myself having a new car. I send those thoughts out to the universe and that attracts the experience of having that new car into my life. Now, that, that works. However, there is a certain amount of um, fine-tuning there that I would make to the standard uh, understanding. And this is something, once again, that Laova and I get from channeling. So uh, once again, I just want to have the caveat that, you know, take everything that's said with a grain of salt. 
right? We never want you just believing any dogma or anything like that. So if it sounds right to you, try it out, test it out and see if it is right to you. So in our experience and in our channeling, we have found that the law of attraction, yes, you are putting thoughts out there to the universe. However, an alternate way to understand it is that these thoughts aren't just going to, let's say, the universe itself. They're going somewhere. And where they're going is the, the spirit world. They're going to your guardian spirit. They're going to your particular spiritual team, uh, your guides and such. And then they are making it so. They are acting to bring that intention of yours into reality. And so it's important then if um, in our own practice to think of it not as I'm just sending out these thoughts to, you know, just kind of the, the ambiguous universe, but rather I am sending it to spirits and beings who actually truly care about me. And so this is a very powerful thought because suddenly, you know, it's not just this blind aspect of the universe that's at work. Rather, it is the help and benevolence of beings who deeply care about you. Now, that is how in our, uh, in our findings, the law of attraction works. Now, that also implies a certain number of things that you can do to make the law of attraction more effective. So number one, when you're working with spiritual beings in this way, you have to remember that they are spiritual beings. They are in the spirit world. They are not in the physical world. Therefore, they don't necessarily have access to the physical and emotional and psychic energies that they would find most useful to cause change in this world, right? Even though they're at 11,000 feet and they can see, you know, the, the, metaphorically, they can see much farther than us and they can know where to, you know, press the right buttons in order to cause something to happen, right? Even if they know all that, they still need access to energy, that they can use in this world to cause change. And this is where your own will comes into play. When you're saying affirmations, it's not enough just to say the words, right? I want a new car, right? <laughs> or, you know, I want 11,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, it's not enough just to say an affirmation. It's not, there's nothing special about the words that are being said. Rather, you have to have the will and the intention behind it. it. There's a reason they're called affirmations. You have to affirm the truth of it. And so when you're saying affirmations, you're, you, you need to be putting that energy into it. You need to be willing it into existence. You need to be affirming the truth of everything that you're saying. And when you do that, then you're putting all this psychic and emotional energy into your affirmations that's going off and into the universe and that's being picked up by your guides and by your spirits they then are knowing your intention and now they have that psychic and emotional energy and they can start playing with that they can transform it and use it in the physical world to help you get what you want okay so there has to be an energy that you're putting out there 
often in magic and such, we'll put that energy out there through an offering, right? Giving an offering, let's say, of food, because then they can absorb the vital energy from that food and then transform it and use it to help you in this world. But, uh, you know, or an offering of love and reverence uh, through prayer and such. This is another way of giving that energy. But even the intention and the, the will, willing something into existence through an affirmation, that's putting enough psychic and emotional energy out there that these beings can then work with it, transform it, and use it in this world. So that's, that's one way to really amp up your law of attraction practice. Another key thing is to always uh, basically fake it until you make it. What I mean by that is when you are writing your affirmations, when you're coming up with how you're wording your affirmations, always state things as though you've already accomplished it. So for instance, the example I always use is say, I have 10,000 Twitter followers and not I will have 10,000 Twitter followers, right? So it's a difference between I have and I will have. The reason for this is quite simple. When you say I have, your, your mind is treating it like it's true. It, it's focusing on, okay, I have, I have. And it's putting out that particular thought into the universe of having this. And that of course is going to attract that state of affairs. If you say I will have, then all of a sudden, here's the problem. Your subconscious mind is going to be focusing on the fact that of the, the will statement, right? And what's implied there? It implies that you don't have it right now. That's what your, your subconscious is going to focus on. The fact that the lack of that thing and that lack now is actually what you're communicating. So instead of, you know, you're not really saying at that point, I, um, you're not really saying anymore that uh, I will have, but rather what you're saying is, I currently do not have 11,000 followers, right? And that's what you're communicating to the world, so uh, to the universe. So yes, always, um, always fake it till you make it and affirmations, state it as though you've already achieved it. Otherwise, your subconscious mind is going to short circuit you. It's going to focus on the perceived lack of that thing in your life and it's going to keep manifesting that lack of that thing. Um, let's see. And then on my list of other things to help, uh, law of attraction. Yes. It's not always about saying things, right? There's many ways to express your, your affirmations. And so it's not just about the things you say. It can also be about the way you move, right? Think about interpretive dance. There's many ways to express yourself. There's also visualization. You can express your, your desires and your will through visualization. And so you can create an affirmation practice that includes both symbolic movement alongside uh, spoken affirmations and alongside visualizations, you know, of you know, uh, energy going out and in and, and all, you know, all these different things that you can visualize. And this really engages your entire being within a visual, within the affirmation process. And this can lead to, to very powerful results when you, uh, when you do that. So
So um, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about the law of attraction. Anything you want to add, Lau? No, I think it is it is complete. Uh, very well done. Okay, well, I think that's it for the Q&A then. Let's see. So we're this is the first time that we've ever done a live Q&A. Uh, so uh, we are going to close out the podcast, but you don't have to leave yet because we are going to stick around for a bit of a post-game show if anyone has any questions or anything, any follow-up questions to what we were discussing. Let's see. We're just going to do the usual uh, closing, but then we will be <laughs> right back with you. So don't go anywhere. We are going to just say the word, the closing, so I might put it on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, very much for joining us. Uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, and if you have any big questions, please feel free to ask them on the student forum, and we'll get back to them. Uh, we'll discuss them next Friday. And if you have any small questions, uh, also ask them on the student forum, and we can uh, talk about them there and uh, get back to you about them. So until next week, take care, everyone, and uh, bye-bye. Have a great week, everyone.